want to start off with a question today, which is how much do we actually have to lose to realize how much we have? And that's what today's guest really brought out for me is so many of us float through life unfulfilled, unhappy, and it's not until things are taken away from us, whether it's people, our abilities, our physicality, whatever that thing is. And we look back on our life and go, what a dumb shit. I had so much and I just didn't understand it. And so I hope you hear today's story and it's just a, a reminder of how much we do have, how much we start from. Again, I hope this story is as meaningful to you as it was for me. It was completely unexpected for me. And uh, I, again, uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to The Dream Beyond. I'm your host, Nick Tarasio. I'm a CEO, musician, and overall seeker of truth, inspiration, and simply put, how to live the most fulfilling life possible. Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on The Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. My next guest, uh, he went through some things that most of us hope to never go through. And after sustaining a spinal cord injury that left him paralyzed from the waist down, he refused to be limited by this new condition. As the emerging face of spinal cord recovery, he heralds his message of choosing positivity through adversity. He's an author, adventurer, a pilot, which is near and dear to my heart, and a highly requested speaker. And he's also the director of the, the Moment Foundation, which is an aviation-based nonprofit. Please welcome Grant Corgan to the show. Thank you for being here, Grant. Oh, I'm so honored to be here, Nick. It's great to see you, and I'm just I'm just real privileged. I'm blessed to be on the podcast. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, again, I I, uh, I I have to start with the big question of you do so many cool things. Like you, again, the pilot thing, obviously, there's always that real like brotherhood or sisterhood between people that fly airplanes, right? It's a special thing. Amen. Um, Amen. What, what, what was your earliest dream as you were growing up and you were thinking about what you wanted to pursue in life. What what was that for you? Wow. You know, I had the dream, as many of us do, as many of us aviators, there's, I don't know, it's something we're born with. It's in our DNA to look to the sky and just wonder. The fact that we're among, what, the fourth, maybe fifth generation of, of human beings on the planet that have the gift, the ability to leave the ground, to step off the ground, get in these amazing contraptions and go places, literally look down on the, the, the surface that gravity's held our kind to for, you know, thousands of years. It's, it's a mind blower. And for me as a kid, I, I always had this mindset, this, this eye toward the sky, but it really clicked when I was about 15. I was on a trip with my dad. We had built a Jeep, a Jeep CJ7. And I grew up in Lake Tahoe, an amazing spot incredible part of the world and like I'm, the, the mountains and the Sierra is amazing. And so my dad and I, this was our goal from the time I was a young teen was to build this Jeep so we could go do this trail together called the Rubicon Trail. And it's a multi-day, sort of an overnight three-day Jeep trail that you go, basically go from Sacramento and the foothills all the way into Lake Tahoe and you arrive on the West Shore. And about halfway through on one of the nights, this guy rolls in in a Bell Jet Ranger, you know, and he's got this cowboy hat and the perfect aviation mustache. And he lands and of course I'm awed as the dust is blowing everywhere and I'm just kind of wide-eyed and he jumps out of this bird and he announces, hey, I'm giving helicopter rides if anybody wants to go for a ride. And uh, I don't know how it all worked out, but you know, 15 and a half year old me, my dad put me in the front seat. I had the chance to go. 
This thing took off and in seconds we saw all of the backyard area that I had adventured as a kid and played and it just, it was rapid fire, you know, this montage of the amount of excellence I could see and experience. And when that thing landed, I was a different human being. Like it landed and I knew without question that was my path. I was supposed to fly. And I remember my parents, amazing, you know, very encouraging, said you can do anything you want after you graduate college. <laughs> so I carried on and I went on to college and uh, it was amazing. I got my mechanical engineering degree and um, I went on to work for Stanford at Stanford in a lab where we basically got spun out of academia by the technology transfer offices because I had done an internship with Stanford's youngest nanotechnology professor uh, and solved a standing problem basically that led us, myself and my business partners, towards starting a company. And we stepped out of academia and so we could serve the needs of academia from the private sector. I graduated on a Saturday and I was the president of a nanotechnology company on a Monday. And life wow. was just railing forward until I met my wife. I mean, I was, I walked in this room and there she was across the room. And I knew without question, it was like not a doubt in my mind that this was the person I was going to marry. And I'm kind of walking across the room and I'm moving people out of the way and I get to her. And I'd like to think that, you know, I could put a couple cool words together, but I got to her and all that came out of my mouth was this. I took in a breath and I'm about to deliver. And I, I delivered this very awkward, like, ah, like I was wet and weird and queasy and like, uh, like it didn't come out of me, but I just, I just knew, I knew. And uh, it was amazing. Within a couple of weeks, we were on that path and it was very obvious that the two of us, I mean, soulmates colliding, found each other in life again. I mean, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, period, bar none. And in one of our first conversations, one of our very first conversations, she says to me, she goes, Grant, and she, I mean, this early on pushes me back, says, Grant, if you could do anything in this life, I mean, anything, anything at all, and all your needs would be met. All the finances in the world would be in your bank account, holdings, fulfillment, every box you needed checked to be, to feel like you were the most successful you could possibly be. What do you do with your time? And I said, well, I, I'd, be, I'd be the president of the nanotechnology company. She goes, very, I know that's what you're doing right now. But if you could do anything in life, all your needs are met. What are you doing with your time? And as foundational truth does, it just came out. I said, I'd be a careful flight helicopter pilot because that's what I wanted to be. That was me at 15 and a half looking at my life saying, I want to help people in their greatest time of need. But the only difference between life and death is the magic of aviation. These incredible machines that do these unbelievable things. And so it slipped out and she stood up out of the conversation. She said, great, tomorrow you start working on your pilot's license. And she walked out of the room and I was going, wait, 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 wait. Cause you know, when you throw something out like <laughs> that, like a massive goal, like your body yeah, yeah. protects you with excuses. It says, well, there's all these reasons you shouldn't. What if you fail? What, if, you know, all these elements that your body sort of throws these walls. But when she walked out of the room and she's very strategic and very, I mean, She's, you know, this world traveling executive coach. So I, I'm very, I was undergunned in this circumstance, but what she did very tactically was make me realize none of my excuses were valid. There was nobody to tell them to. And so I realized as I went through them on my own, she's right. And within a week I bought into a Beechcraft C23. I found an amazing instructor, a guy named Matt Peake that just blew my absolute mind. And I started, I bought my books and I was on my way and I made it all the way to that check ride where I had it scheduled, DPE, and I ended up in the ICU. I ended up with a spinal cord injury where I couldn't feel or move anything below my belly button. And this was 
March 1st, 2010, we were, I mean, I, I, I was very blessed in that I lived a dual lifestyle. I was a scientist on one hand and I was a professional athlete on the other. And we were out filming a movie, snowmobile movie in the back country. And it, I overshot a jump. It was about a 140 foot jump. And I just went two feet past the point of safety. And in my book, I wrote a book called Two Feet Back because we hit the triple entendre. Had I landed two feet back, I'd be safe. I can't feel my two feet because of my back and I'm working on getting my two feet back. Yes, triple entendre, winning. Nailed it. <laughs> so that happened. And here I was in the ICU and believe me, brother, here I was in the backcountry getting rescued by a helicopter, by a care flight pilot, and I'm strapped into the back of this helicopter, which is an entire story, which I recommend you go watch. Uh, we, we have a movie out called The Push. And The Push is I became the first spinal cord injured athlete in history to ski to the South Pole in Antarctica. And in that film, it goes on. It won 21 out of 29 international film fests. It's available on iTunes, Amazon, anywhere you can rent a film. But in that film, we go through the story and we have the actual footage of my spinal cord injury filmed in three different you know, camera angles and the whole element. But here I am, picture me strapped to the floor of a helicopter with the dream of being a helicopter pilot. And I can, through my C collar and my head strapped down, corner of my eye, I can see that collective and cyclic movement. And I can see that gentleman up there living my dream, helping people. And I just ended up in the wrong seat in that helicopter. And it was soul crushing. I mean, absolutely soul crushing. That is... Yeah, that, that that's a pretty dark moment of having you talk about these triple entendres and you know again these moments in life where the the parallels are so strong to oh. literally have your dreams staring at you from a couple of feet away. I mean, that must have been a really painful moment. So painful. And what was crazy was you know the universe has a way of forcing you to stare down the things you ask for. You know, I'm asking the universe for I want to live a life of aviation and I want to help people in that way. So wouldn't you know, when I make it out of the ICU, I was nine days in the ICU. I was another couple of days in the neuro floor. And then they put me in the inpatient rehab hospital for, I was in the hospital for another month. And that month, my room had a giant window and sorry, man, no TV, none of that. It was, they were remodeling. It was a nice room, but the whole window faced the helipad. No. So every single care flight that came in and out, that's all I watched as I couldn't feel or move anything from my belly button down. And I woke up one morning in that hospital room and it was probably, you know, 20 days into the hospital and I could see my wife, Shauna, and she's on the phone in the corner and she's talking to somebody and I quickly put it together. She's talking to Matt, my flight instructor, and she's canceling my, my test with the DPE. She's canceling my private pilot check ride. And I heard her say, he's not going to make it yet. She threw the word yet in there. My eyebrows went up. I thought, girl, you are crazy out of your mind. I feel nothing. I move nothing below my belly button. You know how planes work, man. We got to push rudders and brakes and the whole thing. And like, you've got to have your feet. And she saw me see her and hung up the phone. She walked over to me. I kid you not. Thumped me on the chest. And she said, you can borrow my confidence until you have your own. Damn. What? And she said, you can borrow my confidence until you have your own. But you're taking that test. I was, I was, I mean, not just floored or aghast or whatever explicative you want to throw in. I just was in straight up disbelief. I thought, all right, cool. We'll put that little placeholder over here and then you'll see kind of a thing. But she was firm and man, it took five years of her pushing me 10 hours a day, just 
seven days a week in the therapy room to get my legs to the point that I could push rudders. It took three years working with the FAA and they were amazing by the way. And I got a class one medical and it was all done very systematically by the book through the work with the FISDO and everything. And it was really well done. I mean, shout out to the FAA. They, they have very specific rules, regs, and we just step-by-step step checked each of these boxes. And then it took two years flying a Cirrus SR-20 out of Tahoe getting that proficiency back and in 2019 i passed that private pilot check ride and it was everything to me i mean it literally it was i shook the dpe's hand hugged him the doors came open i got yanked out of the plane like he's a jolly good fellow type thing by all the friends and family that were there and then my instructor chris barbera mountain lion aviation unbelievable hero in my life he grabs me and he says how do you feel do you feel like going flying and i said yeah 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 of course i feel like going flying he said shauna you get in the passenger seat, threw me back in the pilot seat, and they literally like shoved me off. And here I am. I took off, and I'm circling over Tahoe, holding my wife's hand, flying the plane, tears in both of our eyes, not even talking, just soaking the moment in. And aviation has been such a gift for me to pass on to others since that moment. Incredible. Well, I mean, there's so many things I hear in what you just said, and you know, on. In my line of questioning, I usually like to follow my curiosity. And so I hear a lot of stuff that sounds like you, like most, are meaning-making machines, right? Like that's one of the beautiful things about our life is we get to create whatever meaning out of it that we want it to. And I can't help but hear this meaning of this woman who shows up in your life like this soulmate who from like Jump Street is just like, hey, dude, no excuses. Yep. And then you have a life play out such that excuses would actually be excusable by most people. Like, I, again, 99.999% of people would have been like, you have every excuse not to pursue this. Totally. How do you process that? How do you process that you have this woman in your life who is like, I don't care what happens in your life, there will be no excuses? You know, the answer is one word. It's gratitude. I mean, it is ultimate gratitude. Like, when I hit rock bottom, you can't talk about the top without talking about the bottom. And the top is we get to do these amazing things. And, and to your point, I have this accountability a soulmate in my life that says, you said this is what you're going to go do. You're going to go do it. And there's no matter what the excuse is, doesn't, doesn't matter. The bottom happened not long after that call, you know, where I was in the hospital and I was getting to the point, I mean, I would cry. I mean, hours of crying and not crying like, oh, I think I messed up. Things are going bad. I mean, it was like soul breaking crying where I just as an athlete and a pilot, maybe and all, all as a person who's so physical. I mean, I was in body jail where nothing's moving or, or, or feeling below my belly button. And I was all the realities were hitting me so hard and it was fracturing my brain and my soul. And in one of those massive cries where I'm so, I'd cry so deep into it and Shauna was there like, I'm here, I'm with you, we're going through this together. And she would just say to me, don't change a single one of your goals, not a single one, no matter what this is, we'll get through it. And she said in one of those moments where she just wanted to fix it and take the pain away, where she was kind of out of, oh my, like I'm out of things to say, what do I, how do I fix this? And she said, you tell me three things you're grateful for right now. And I, I remember like, I like the tears wiped and like, what? And I was so confused. There's nothing to be grateful for. What are you talking about? She said three things right now. Wouldn't let me off the hook. And I was like, no, no, no. And she said, there's zero getting out of this. I need three things from you right now that you're grateful for. And I, 
I, I mean, I just sort of said, you, you, and you. And she said, great, I can take that. That's good enough for today. Next day, three things you're grateful for. You, you, and you. The day after that, three things you're grateful for. You, you, and you. The day, next day, three things you're grateful for. I said, you, you, and the fact that I got to eat solid food. Okay. Then next day, you, solid food, and the fact that I got to start PT. And then it was you, solid food, PT. And then I got to get into a reclinable wheelchair and get out of the, and on and on and on. And you couldn't tell me that I wasn't that dude. 39 days later, rolling out of the hospital with a smile on my face in a wheelchair because I was so aware of all the little things I had to be grateful for. It's the little things that blow our mind, the things that we forget about all the time. It's not the big stuff. It's not the amazing, rad, you know, super flight. It's the air we breathe, the friends we have, the connections we make, these incredible feelings of like when the hair stands up on your arm and the goosebumps and, you know, that little hit of coffee where it's just a little sweeter than it might've been yesterday or the fact that you see a friend rising or going through a thing that they're just overcoming. There's so many little things in life that we can lock onto. And when you put a thousand little things of gratitude in place, that's a foundation you can grow from rather than saying, I need this one giant thing with no foundation. And she put that in my life. And you're asking, you know, how do you move through that? How do you go and achieve the unachievable? When everyone would let you off the hook, including yourself, you'd let yourself off the hook. And in my case, I was so conscious to all the things I had to be grateful for that anything I needed to do between where I was and where I wanted to get to for each of these goals, ski to the South Pole, become a pilot, uh, et cetera, et cetera, was meaningless. I just had to lock into it and do the work and take myself out of the oh, this isn't normal, this isn't right, it hurts. All, all the things you can say, none of that's valid if you're just on that path. And, you know, as we're talking about path, I didn't stop at the private pilot. I mean, I shook that hand and I started my instrument the next day. And it took me some time. It took time to, to be able to do it. But I went on to start the instrument. I finished my instrument. I finished my commercial. I got my tailwheel. I went on to get my seaplane rating. I got my high performance, my complex, all these fun endorsements, and I just finished my CFI. And the reason I've done all these rad ratings is because now I get to gift that experience to others through the work of the Moment Foundation. We began a, an aviation-based 501c3 nonprofit to extend experiential positivity to our first responders, our military vets, anybody who's had a life-altering injury like myself, anybody that's been hit hard by life. So I can throw them in the plane, we can take off together, and then I can hand them the thing that they lost when they had their struggle, which is control and freedom. Like you don't get to decide who comes in your room and puts their hands in your body when you've had a spinal cord injury. Every day, people are coming in and touching you and doing things that you're going to appointments and meetings you don't want to go to, and you start to numb out. You you let go of that that agency. And for me, where I recognized that I was letting go of that agency was the very first time that my man Galen Gifford and Chris Barbera put me in that Cirrus, put me in the left seat. We rolled down the runway and I heard the word rotate. I pulled back. The second that plane left the ground, it was like my eyes dilated and I remembered that I'm in control. I can choose if I want to go left, right, down, up. And it sounds super anecdotal, but it was profound for me. Like I recognized all the places in my life. I was kind of going, ah, uh, you can touch me here. Put your hands there. TSA doing this. Yeah, we'll go to that appointment. What? I just wasn't, I wasn't steering the ship. And the second I got aviation 
back into my vision, it was, I mean, it was crystallizing how much freedom that I was going to expect of myself moving forward. And that's the gift the foundation gives to others. We do it in three ways. We've got our, our hero flight missions, which I just described. We've got our animal rescue. And then of course we help with all angel mission flights and angel flights that we can. And it's, it's just, it is such a privilege to do this work. That's again, absolutely beautiful to hear. And, and I obviously personally resonate with so much of what you're saying. It's uh, I got to fly a super decathlon and do stunt flying in my twenties. People said like, was that different? And I said, it was full three-dimensional freedom to not have to, you know, you can only turn this much. You can only pitch up and pitch down that much. Be able to hang upside down from the seatbelts. I very much resonate with, with what you're saying. And man, there's, again, there's just so much to unpack in what you're saying. And my, my mind goes to almost this idea of like, it's unfortunate that so many of us have to lose, lose so much to realize how much we have. And also this idea of, you know, like a lot in my life, it's been practicing surrender and realizing that in so many ways, I'm not in control of my life, but it is really cool when I hear you speak that I'm like, actually being in the cockpit is the one place that I'm mostly in control. Again, we're always at the mercy of mother nature and those kind of things. And it's, she's pretty powerful. Um, but it's really kind of getting to do that dance. And, and so I, I, I'm curious to know more about what do you have to say to people that haven't had this major setback in their life potentially, that they're actually kind of unconscious to how unhappy or how ungrateful they may, may be in the moment. They're saying, I just don't know why, but this isn't it. This isn't it. And yeah. before someone has to go through a setback like that to get that perspective of what they lost and maybe find the gratitude on the other side of the pain, what advice do you have for someone like that? You know, you, you said the right thing when you said it's it's unfortunate that we often have to lose so much to appreciate so much. And I think I think aviation is kind of the great teacher. Uh, you know, my background before aviation was whitewater kayaking and snowmobiling and climbing and mountain biking and, you know, all these independent action sports that I was very uh, in love with and very proficient in. And I learned so much about life from them, how to approach a challenge, how to move through a struggle, how to be uncomfortable, how to thrive in spite of being uncomfortable. And then I got to put all of that into the great teacher, sort of the masterclass, your, uh, your, your, you know, your PhD of learning to fly. And I think flying is the great uh, parallel in what you're asking about. Do you have to lose so much to appreciate so much? What we do as pilots is we train. We train for everything, every inevitability, uh, you know, wingtip fire, engine loss. Okay, we got smoke in the cabin. We've got, you know, all these things that we go through, door pops open, like, and you practice them and you're ready. And then what it is, is you're moving through life. And, and you also said these words, you're most in control in the cockpit. But what it really is, is you're most prepared in the cockpit for whatever life throws at you. So weather all of a sudden gives you a hit okay, here's some wind shear. Here's a little bit of wake turbulence that you, you know, maybe we're off a bit or wow, unforeseen layer. You know, here's the deal. I was on this approach and now it should be at minimums, but it isn't. And like, it isn't that you're in control of the environment. It's that you're so prepared to deal with what the environment gives you. And I think that is the answer in how to live life efficiently, well, achieving goals without having to be stressed, strained, uh, or, 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 or face great loss to get there. I think there's this scenario of, you know, certainly as, as a, as a motivational speaker at any minute, you can get a call. Like, can you be here tomorrow? 
and this is the audience, this is what you're doing. There's no time to get ready. It's just be ready. And the same thing is true about piloting. Nobody's going to call you and say, tomorrow, that engine's going to go out at 800 AGL on, you know, upwind. It's it, You're never going to get that call, but you're prepared. And so I think there's this sense of of being a, a moral, prepared, uh, hungry, curious, conscious human being, uh, it, it's certainly in the piloting world, that leads you toward being so relaxed about what is happening in the world because you're so prepared to deal with it, whatever, whatever come. And I think uh, just like just like turbulence, you know, you've got an answer for everything. As you're coming in on crosswind, whatever the plane needs, you give it to land correctly. And I think we don't need to. So specifically answering your question, I don't think we need to lose big to gain big. I think we need to prepare big or be ready through our preparation to avoid loss. And I mean, obviously there's extemporaneous scenarios, spinal cord injury, there's sort of some hand of God stuff going on. But if we're looking back on that, right, this is a really good point. If we're looking back on say just my spinal cord injury, for instance, one could say that's a tragic accident, tragic scenario. I mean, yeah, yeah, an insane amount of pain, a total nightmare. But if we look back from where we are today and look back on that scenario, what did I tell Shauna I wanted to do when I was explaining my truth? When I said, hey, my absolute truth is I want to help people in their greatest time of need with the magic of aviation. And of course, it was Shauna that brought this realization to me about a year ago. She said, what are you doing right now? Through the Moment Foundation, I'm helping people and pause through their greatest time of need with the magic of aviation. So was that an accident? Was it a tragedy? Was it something that was unforeseen or unplanned? Or was this something that was just another training day leading me toward the thing I asked the world for, the universe, the, you know, this is what I want to achieve and this is what I want to experience. But bigger than that, this is my offering, my gift to the world. And it's been profound getting to realize that nothing really happens accidentally, as painful as it might be, or as much as it feels like a loss, ultimately, it isn't if you just carry on your path and continue to achieve the things that you say in your heart. Not 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 the, you know, the I'm kind of interested in this, but your core fundamental foundational goals. You stay on your truth, your path. There's no wrong answers. So there's two ways to go from that perspective. I really like that. I was actually going to ask you the question of what if you played the clock back from the moment of the injury what were you not ready for in that moment but in many ways you've, you've kind of like made the meaning of it but if, if you had to look from that perspective like you're in the air in this moment of being on the snowmobile what are you not prepared for okay um your timing is kind of biblical right now i was in a flight on friday so what four days ago and um i was flying back from monterey into Truckee, so back into Tahoe. And I'm flying along and I've got all these high feelings. I'm, I'm all alone in the plane and you know I'm just in cruise, I'm on autopilot and I'm just appreciating the experience, the sweetness of the smooth air. Cause we just got through a week of like rad crosswind stuff. I mean, it was 30 knots everywhere. We were having a blast, like tons of stuff, but this was smooth and good. And I just happened to look over right at, I'm at the right moment. And I looked over at the mountains, the mountains are to my, to the east. And I looked up this Canyon that's 
a river that I had the privilege of running before my injury back when I was a professional whitewater kayaker called Fantasy Falls, the North Fork of the McCollumie River. And it just, I mean, it happenstance. I looked to the right and I stared right up the canyon of this three-day class five, you know, 30-ish foot waterfalls after 30-foot waterfalls experience. I mean, that one of the highest achieving kayaking elements that you can do in the California foothills. And I looked up there, no joke, burst into tears. All by myself, cruising at 11,000 feet, IFR plan in full-on sobbing tears. And at first, I didn't understand why. I was just letting it out. I'm just crying, like, well, I'm full-on release. And then as I started to kind of chill out, you know, I got a radio call, like, uh, 582 Whiskey, contact to Oakland Center on 121, whatever. And I'm like, 121, whatever, you know, and like, I didn't even stop. I kind of cleared myself out. And then I processed what was going on. And it was, I had had such a shatter from the life I was living to whack this whole different program. And then I had built through belief, through support of others. I mean, man, the people that have surrounded me and been my cheerleaders and been my support structure and helped me be able to achieve my goals. It's one thing if you're willing to do the work. It's another thing to have people come behind you and say, let's keep the the tailwind going. I, I mean, I just, it all hit me so huge. And the thing to answer your question, I wasn't ready for in a scenario like this with a spinal cord injury was the amount of help and support and love that was going to become open to me. I wasn't the dude that needed help, wanted help. I was the guy you call when you're moving and I'm like, I'm showing up with my truck and I'll move everything for you and I'm giving you a hug out the door. I got to run. Like that was my life. I want to help you out. I don't, I don't need help. And all of a sudden here I am no feeling below my belly button strapped to a bed encased in cement. And people are like, let me lift you. Let me take care of you. Let me, and I'm like, beat it. I, I didn't know how to accept help. I didn't know how to receive that. And the art of, of recognizing that by saying no, I was robbing everyone around me of the joy that they were getting by helping me. Like the same joy I used to get by helping everybody. I loved it. Like that was such an understanding. It was, it was a part of how I understood the world and now it was gone to me. So I, I started pushing back and I didn't allow in the beginning. And I, I, it took me a long time, you know, to take ego out, set it over here, take out self and all your understanding of your identity and who you are and were. None of that even matters. And what it, as I looked up that canyon and I realized, you know, all the stories and the moments that I remember from being in there and helping others and helping myself over these amazing moments and just being at, at the top of my physical prowess to then racking it down to where I had zero ability to help others to now being back where I'm at 11,000 feet on a rad IFR plan as I'm sending, uh, you know, on the ground, I just finished sending emails about, you know, three more pet rescues that we were going to go get these dogs that were on kill lists. And they're all, I mean, just all the greatness and awesomeness of everything that's going on right now and the gratitude circling it back to that hit me to the point that it broke me into tears and i just oh man a good cry especially like solo in the plane with some great music bumping like what's the one well your answer is biblical timing for me because i literally just flew back from a breathwork retreat down in northern georgia and really the retreat what came up with the breathwork was just upending how much armoring I have around my heart and my ability to receive people's love. 
And uh, as you're talking, it just like slams me of like, wow, to think how many times I, I run away from people's love and to talk to someone who was made incapable of doing so, that's leveling for me. That's like leveling to feel that of like, what more needs to happen in my own life to be able to receive it, to be able to fully Bro. receive it. So, wow. It's, that's I mean, what you just answer. said is so uh, self-deprecating and, and vulnerable and rad. Let me just honor you, bro. I'm going to put my arms through the screen and like hold you right now because look, we're all bred in this life as we come through our childhood to sort of, we, you know, some things are really loving and amazing. Some things sort of break your heart. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're trying to figure out how much distance do I need around what? And then to all of a sudden kind of hit adulthood and recognize that all there is in this world is love. Like that's all there is. And, and, and of course there's, there's all the, the subsects of it. There's, there's hate and violence and people being awful and all those things, but it's all, I mean, in terms of how close are those two emotions, it's passion. People are passionate, whether they're passionately yelling or they're passionately loving. Like it's, it's just, it's 31 flavors. It's which ice cream are you taking? And if you can help people that are, you know, maybe have the wrong flavor ice cream, switch it. You're still eating ice cream. It's great. You know, and that's something that you and uh, ideally I, I humbly submit myself to this process and others who are awake and um, wanting of that process, man, the experience of being alive and being open to the straight up heart that people can pour into each of us, that is that that's success, you know, like all the, 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 the trappings and monikers and, you know, metrics of success that the world would have us view as this is, are you moving forward in your path? I mean, they exist, they're there, we can opt in or out, but like really, if we're talking about happiness and fulfillment and an experience when we're 108 on our deathbed and we're just like, you know, peace signs in the air, like what an epic life, thank you, you know, woo, and we just transcend to the universe. Like, I think that comes from our ability to both give, sure, but also receive. And receiving is the way harder one, way harder. And I honor you for being on that path. And I'm just, uh, I'm humbly on that path as well, brother. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I guess because again, I see you as this adventurer, you're this guy who's pretty daredevilish with the things that you've chosen to do in your life. Would you say for you, it's more courage or bravery? And and, and I'll, I'll make a, dis a, a quick, you know, distinguishing between the two, this came up this weekend for me in the breath work is they say people that are brave don't have the fear. That's why they do things. People that are courageous do it anyway. They are terrified and they do it anyway. Which one do you identify with? Wow. Great question. Um, I'm going to answer it with a dream that I, I, or I, I used to have this reoccurring dream that was, um, it was a nightmare. It was honestly a nightmare. I was, I was, working toward my pilot's license and I, it was my dream and I every minute I got to be in that Beechcraft C-23 I felt like I was following my path and I'm in my truth and it was frankly amazing like it was just the air was sweet and it was golden and then whack life just shattered that you know and I broke that I did that I own that I took myself through an adventure and came back with half of me dead and strapped to me like that that was something I did and I would, in the very fleeting times I got get sleep in the years that followed while I was working on getting my legs back, I would have this recurring nightmare that I was in the plane and it was amazing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm back in the plane and I'm on the runway and I put the power in and power's in. 
power's set. Airspeed's alive in both places. Check us out. We're all in the green. Like, I'm going through all the stuff. Fuel flow is good. Manifold pressure is good. And then rotate. And the second I rotate, the dream goes from this blissful dream to the straight-up nightmare of, oh, my God, I, my legs don't work. I, I can't land this plane. How am I going to use rudders and brakes and all these things to get it on the ground? And it was panic, 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 panic to the point that I'd wake up sweaty, you know, totally bothered. And so you ask, is, is, was there fear? Like, I mean, it went past just a rational, Hey, I'm awake and I'm aware. And I know I'm about to do these things in the plane. And then this is the plane's one great example of many things in life. I mean, gosh, going to the South pole, it's 50 below zero. There's no medical anything out there. I mean, I have specific needs just in the bathroom category that are daily and very, very, um, succinct and precision and so you know uh, to go to a place like that where there's no help you're days from a helicopter rescue at best and you're going to be in an environment where i can't feel my feet at all and skin if it gets below you know 32 will go black and frostbite and you have to have your legs amputated and i'm going to be in negative 50 and then add wind to that negative 60 maybe lower you know ambient in terms of was there fear, there was certainly awareness. And um, that dream that I kept having, that was this reoccurring pilot dream, um, it happened until that day when I rotated the plane out of, I mean, I just, and then all of a sudden I told you my eyes dilated. I mean, it was like a whole, it was a, it, it, it was a shift in life. I mean, it was a paradigm shift for me it's like an to awakening. be on the path that I was on. And then aviation said, boom, let's remember how great and how stress-free and how freedom-filled and how fulfilling the life you've chosen is is going to be. Let's remember that. And I just, I locked into that. And not only have I never looked back, but I've wanted so badly with all of my soul to extend that to others. Anybody that I see that's going through a moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, if you just jump in the plane with me and you're going to be flying and the music's going to be pumping and you're going to be so psyching. And it's, it's not me, but, and you know, this, you, you host people on the plane all the time. Like I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I, I don't do any of the, you know, it's not me at all. It's just, I curate the environment and the plane and the experience and the physics does the rest. And it always happens that when we land, it's laughing and tears and hugs and happiness and celebration. And I, I think there's just something so real about how how blessed we are to live in a time where we can leave the ground and we can do these things and to share them and to let other people receive that as we've talked about. Wow, that is a special vibe. Yeah, well, that is a and that's a beautiful answer. I mean, it's I think of the times when I was flying away from intimacy, connection, relationship, receiving love, and then I think of that same transition I went through, which is I was pretty bored by my mid twenties. I had done just about everything in an airplane. I was a mechanic, jet pilot, stunt pilot, all those things. But when I started taking friends up in the airplane and you look to the right and you see the awe in their eyes and your mirror neurons fire and you're like, it's like the first time all over for me. I get to relive that real awakening moment that you were talking about, the eyes dilate, right? And I'm like, that's it. I want to give that awakening to other people too. And I want to experience that again and again and again. So it's interesting to see the same tool that I used to fly away from people to escape situations became the tool that 
actually allowed me to build connection and deepen deepen intimacy with people. So I love Brother, what you're saying. I mean, it's what a beautiful journey. That that is so yin and yang right there. Think about like every wave rolls up the beach and then it rolls back to sea. And as much as you're like in the beginning, it rolled up the beach where you were getting away and now you're just rolling, you're bringing everybody with you back to your heart. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, this is such an incredibly perfect timed conversation for me because I'm processing so much of my own shit as you're kind of talking about your journey and what you've been through. And like, I, you know, I, I hear a lot of this just going back to that, like if we choose it, let's just pretend we choose it, right? I know some people believe that, some people don't. But let's say we choose our path. What an amazing story to say, uh, you won't really know fulfillment until you are able to receive the love of others. You'll think, you could do all the things. You could do those crazy waterfall jumps and I could do those crazy stunt flights on my own in a single seat airplane. But it's not until I actually am carried by someone else will I ever truly understand what, what, what real fulfillment is. That's, I mean, that's what I walk away from what you're sharing. I mean, my God, what a beautiful story that you tell and a beautiful story Thank that you, you live, no less. Thank you. Well, we, we, man, I'm putting that, I'm putting, you're, you're, we're walking lockstep shoulder to shoulder in that. And I think, I think maybe you just worded the secret of life into that last three sentences you said, which is, you know, it's a whole nother experience in life. Ooh, I don't know whose quote this is, uh, but something like, uh, the first half of your life is the world's gift to you. And the second half of your life is your gift to the world. You know, whether that's you're raising children and you're bringing amazing people into the world, or you uh, have charitable ideas, or it's just, it's not even tied to your actions. It's simply your understanding of the joy that comes from allowing others to help and connect and be a part of your heartstrings you know, rather than it's a one-way deal, like I'm gonna love on you, I'm gonna take care of you, I'm gonna make sure everything like is dialed, but don't you go, don't you go turning it on me. And it's a, it's a really beautiful thing to receive compliments and receive help and receive love and receive support and receive people's truth. Like, how are you gonna know them? How are you gonna know people if, if, if you don't let them all the way in? And of course, I should put the caveat, you know, these are, these are qualified, specific vetted people that you're letting all the way in. Um, right. And then you're holding space for the whole rest of the world to join that party when they're ready. Well, I got to say, I'm grateful to know you and watch your journey from a much closer position. And uh, I, I have to ask, being in a place of, I mean, I just feel your positivity. I feel how fulfilled you are and where you are now. What is your dream beyond? What do you dream about now? Wow, my dream beyond... I, um, I just finished my CFI, which was a really, really, I would, would uh, tie it to a specific aviation dream. Um, the reason I did the CFI was because as I'm doing these hero flights, which are so real for me to get to, as we've talked about, put people in those experiences. In the beginning, it was there in the right seat. I'm in the left seat. And then I start up, I taxi, I take off, I climb to a safe spot. I'm clear airspace. And I'm like, here's the plane. And they, you know, hold altitude and, you know, a heading. And it's been, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But since achieving the CFI, the dream, the goal there was now they sit in the left seat and I sit in the right seat and they start the plane. They taxi it. They take off. They climb. They do the whole thing all the way down to the landing. And no matter what they do, to your point about your time in the Super Decathlon, we're, we're Super Decathlon brothers. I've been very blessed to get to do aerobatics and my spin training with a dear brother of mine named Cade Boger in his super decathlon. 
And what he's taught me with that is no matter what you do to the plane, no matter what goes on, and this has been so good for me in my CFI world, I'll undo. And to the point that you can make a wonderful landing and I'm over there just tweaking little things. And the change in that is profound. So in terms of if you ask, what's your life dream and what's what's far ahead? I kind of want to punt and say, what's right here? Because I've worked so hard to get to this spot where I'm experiencing this right now. And I'm so proud of it. I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of watching people get to sit in the left seat and just look over at me with wide eyes like, I did it. And you're like, you did it. And, you know, then it's amazing whether they, they go on to fill out their IACRA, you know, or not you're a student pilot. So I can say, congratulations, you're a pilot. And I know what it meant to me. I know what it meant to me yeah. to, to finish. I'm getting a little misty eyed thinking about it. I know what it meant to me to finish my, my pilot cert to get my private pilot's license. It was a, it was a game change. And to think that I can put that word in other people's ethos and their landscape and their mindset, you know, whether they finish or not for that, that, that hour and a half, that whatever that time is, they're, they're a pilot and it's profound. Yeah. And for anybody who's wondering, the CFI means certified flight instructor. So Grant has the privilege of being able to train other people to fly to let them actually work the controls. So, uh, yeah, that's again, beautiful to, you know, really take yourself through the process and not stop there and say, now it's about letting other people experience. And probably one of the better answers I've ever gotten to the dream beyond is just to be in the present, right? It's like very Ram Dass, be here now. Uh, so I, I really appreciate your perspective on that as well. It's crazy you said Ram Dass. I was I was blessed and privileged when when I had first gone through the injury. Uh, my wife and I we were we had an opportunity to go work with an incredible team on the island of Maui, and we went there. And I was training alongside of Ram Dass was there going through some of his processing before uh, we lost him and moved on. But I had the privilege of while I'm trying to recover bodily function with this team and, and this facility and this experience. It, he was he was working to maintain his physicality um with that beautiful glorious brain and soul of his and i just i feel yet again i mean never would i have met a gentleman like ram das without the challenge without the scenario so I, I think in addition to if the takeaways are you know be willing to receive uh, that's actualization in this life the other is you know lean into the hard lean into the struggles and the challenges because it, it universe seeks balance. If it's really, really hard, you know, when it goes down, it's going to go up the same height. It's a, uh, it, it's the, it's the same principle in surfing. You cannot hit the lip of a wave without going to the bottom and bottom turning. You can only go as high as you go down. And so Damn. if you've got a struggle, if you've got a challenge, if you've got something that's feels unfair or difficult, I mean, the answer is go there. Don't fight it and minimize it lean into it, go all the way to the bottom so you can come hard off the bottom and then rail to the lip and do something amazing at the top of that wave. Beautiful. Well, thank you for succinctly stating, I think, some of the biggest nuggets that we took out of this. And I hope everyone finds additional meaning for themselves in, in what Grant shared. So in the meantime, if you're moved by what you heard, and I'd be amazed if you weren't, I don't imagine anybody could not be moved uh, by, 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 by what you shared, Grant. Uh, you could go visit the Moment Foundation. It's momentfoundation.org. Or if you want to go check out his film, which I certainly will, it's called The Push. Uh, and you could search The Push Grant Corgan online. You can find it on any digital uh, platform. Again, they won 21 out of 29 International Film Fest that they were in. And you could also check out 
uh, the American Program Bureau if you wanted to come in and speak to you or a group, or you could uh, message them at info at korgmovement.com. Grant, thank you so much for being here. And again, uh, I, I really hope we get a chance to fly together at some point soon. Nick, count on that, brother. I uh, I can't wait, man. I'll, uh, I'll sit right seat next to you anytime. Vice versa. All right, thanks again for your time. Thanks, Nick. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to The Dream Beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. That really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Instagram.com slash Nick LinkedIn.com slash in slash Nick or YouTube.com slash N